Welcome to Blooming Out on Community Radio, WFHB. Blooming Out is a forum by and for the LGBTQ plus community. Each week we explore the issues, events pertaining to the LGBT community in Indiana, the U.S., and internationally. We speak with guests about human rights, coming out, the legality of being gay, and much more. Blooming Out is a multiple award-winning program here on Community Radio, WFHB. Thanks for listening to Blooming Out. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Blooming Out. I'm Frankie Preslav. I'm Ireland Meacham. I'm Melanie Davis. And I'm Justin Robertson. Well, tonight we have Mayor John Hamilton in the studio. At the bottom of the hour, we're going to be talking more with Mayor Hamilton about moving forward. But first, let's check in with everybody. And since uh, Mayor Hamilton is sitting in the hot seat. (laughs) (laughs) It is so nice to be on this multiple award winning (laughs) show. (laughs) Let me just say that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming. We're honored to have you. Mm -hmm. My pleasure. Yeah. So, um, Mayor. Mayor Hamilton's going to chime in on our news um, as we go through. So if you hear uh, a voice that typically you don't hear on the the show, that will be Mayor Hamilton talking. Um, But before we get started, let's check in with everybody. Uh, Ireland, how was your week? Pretty good because of this weather. I've been really happy. I don't know. It's just making me, (laughs) the sunshine's making me feel sunshiny. It makes a huge difference. It really does. It It does. From one day when it's cloudy and rainy and gross to the next, it's, yeah, it's great. I've been loving it. Are you going to your classes? Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) I know that was always hard. Well, you know, I got to play Daddy Frankie here. (laughs) (laughs) Make sure you get educated. (laughs) Well, good. Um, How about you, Melanie? Oh, uh, well, we have big news. We have uh, our local PFLAG chapter Yay. has been um, uh, officially recognized. So okay. Oh, that's wow. great. Yeah. So if Congratulations. you're looking to uh, join up, you have LGBT folk in your family that you want to support and learn how to um, you know, get together and advocate for them uh, to get support for yourself, come on and check it out online. And then we're going to start having meetings, I think, coming up in May. Mm-hmm. Um, if you get on Facebook right now, we're going to have Instagram and all that other fun stuff. But right now we're on Facebook, B-Town, P-Flag, P-F-L-A-G. And uh, you'll find us and you can join up. And That is awesome. And, and the last P-Flag we had in town was 94, 93? My... Sometime in the 90s. I don't yeah, exactly it was a long remember. Time ago. So this is really cool that you guys are doing this. Do yeah. we have a location? And there's no location yet. Okay. Uh, we're we're kind of talking about where we're going to meet. Uh, we've been meeting at one of the board members' um, uh, offices. All right. Um, but that was for the pre-flag okay, before we yeah. were official. That you're <laughs> <the pre-flag. laughs> and uh, and now that we're we're official, we'll probably still meet there a little bit, but we might grow out of that space. Right. So well, that's cool. We'll find it. So hey, mom and dad, if you're listening, you should go check that out. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. totally. A lot of moms and dads. Um, I or I'm sorry, Melanie. Um, just give us a two second. Uh, you know. Uh, rundown on the P-Flag. What is P-Flag? P-Flag is parents and families (laughs) of lesbians and gays. Uh, Also friends. Um, It's kind of changed over the years. It started off in the 70s and it uh, has adapted to whatever the LGBT community has been going through for the years. It used to deal with adult uh, uh, LGBT kids and and their their elderly parents or more adult parents. And then it in the past few years, of course, as kids are starting to come out earlier and earlier, um, it's really dealing with 
uh, young parents and trying to figure out how to navigate schools right. and, and you know coming out to families and things like that. Well, cool. Well, we're so, so excited and thank yay. you for bringing that into our community. We are I'm really excited thank for that. Yeah. Super important to have uh, one, so I'm excited. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, Justin. Great. Yes. Hi. Wh- how's your week been? It's it's been good. I'm in Ireland's camp. I'm <laughs> so happy it's finally <laughs> spring. Yay. And I also found out that I am going to Paris in a few weeks. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. April in Paris. Uh, is it not Paris. Is this work related or chat about that? No. <laughs> just it's fun. You're Mr. International. That's fun. Being single and no children. Well, you have. <laughs> I have children. I'm sorry. But they're growing. Right. Yeah. right. Kind of. Join kind the P flag. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I want to. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Okay. Sign them up. You're in. Yep. <laughs> Get them down. He said yes. He said yes. We need T-shirts. He said yes. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Mayor Hamilton, how's your week going? <laughs> we'll throw that at you. Thank you. My week is going fine. Always busy. But uh, I, too, like spring arriving. And uh, Saturday is the first day of the farmer's market. Yes. Summer oh, that's right. I'm so, so, so yeah. excited. We, we've been hunkered in the winter market all winter, mm-hmm. and I love that uh, and go to that. But the blooming of the summer farmer's market starts Saturday, April 6th, I think right. that is, mm-hmm. right? And uh, that'll be fun. That's so exciting. Come on down. Mm-hmm. The That's Bloomington it. Farmer's Market is just such a unique space where everyone's just happy and <laughs> it's a happy community and everyone's, it's just love. It's a great <laughs> feeling. So I'm very love excited for that to start up. Love and vegetables. <laughs> yeah, love <laughs> and vegetables. <laughs> That's great. What more is there to have? Frankie, do you have anything to add to the conversation? Um, I've just been busy with the family running around. Yeah. I feel like I, you know, just, it just it's a blur right now. Just lots of going on in my life. So all in good, good stuff going on. Yeah. But uh, no, I'm just uh, I'm happy Thursdays here. <laughs> 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 We've been working hard at the script, and um, yeah, so here we are, and it's fun drive. It, it is fun is. drive. So we got to do all that fun drive stuff, um, and so we're looking for donations. Obviously, you know this is um, a time that uh, we have to kind of beg, mm-hmm. um, so we can stay on the air and work for free still, but we still have to <laughs> pay for our new mics and you know things that uh, are important to have for um, our community. Radio. So if you're interested in um, pledging, you can call 812-323-1200, or you can pledge online at wfhb.org. Um, hit that big red button. Is it a big red button? It's a big red button. Yeah, so hit that big red button. Um, so, yeah, so we need the whole community to come out and support us and, you know, give us some money. Absolutely. And I'd like to, um, well, we'd like to give a big shout out to the fabulous Jennifer Bass, mm-hmm. who has contributed. And um, she's the wonderful host of Blooming Out's Just Married podcast. And it's a great community partnership that we have with her. And so thank you, Jennifer. Thank you. Thanks, Jennifer. Yeah, that's wonderful. awesome. And if people are interested in hearing some of the old podcasts that Jennifer had, she always has some new ones. They they're so good. Um, you can go onto our website and, and check those out. They can play them can, out, but they're just very fun. Can I just say, yes. as, as, as a mayor, and what an incredible asset WFHB is for our community, and all the people who make it happen, most of whom pay to be here probably <laughs> in a different right. way party. to do this to pay party sorry about that yeah, <laughs> but we'll it's an amazing group of people to make this institution work and and they are giving you wfhb is giving us the chance to feel good 
about being part of this place by pushing that big red button because mm-hmm. uh, it's really it's a great you'll feel good when you do it that's right you're that's part right. of mm-hmm. this community in this WFHB institution so feel good push the big red button <laughs> <laughs> bring it on donate today and also we want to thank Astaria Rago uh, for providing dinner for our volunteers. It's out in the hallway if anybody's interested. Yeah. Well, Stopping anybody by. here <laughs> is interested, yeah. <laughs> so, well, <I> guess <laughs> just <laughs> Justin lost it. Um, but you know what we need to do? We need to talk about some LGBTQ news. That's so what we're here for, right? That's what we're here about. Some good stuff. Yay. So, yeah, there is some really good stuff. This is, uh, I'm really excited about this uh, first new segment it's encouraging black lesbian Lori lightfoot won the chicago mayoral race last night becoming the nation's highest ranking out mayor lightfoot will um, be the only black lesbian mayor in the nation and the first out mayor of one of america's three largest cities anise parker the president and ceo of lgbtq victory fund formerly held the record as the highest ranking out mayor houston is the nation's fourth largest city Said Parker, quote, Chicago's enormous influence on the national dialogue provides a platform for Lori to promote more inclusive solutions to the challenges facing our cities and nation, and to be a credible messenger as well. Lori will certainly remain uh, focused on the issues facing Chicago, but as the highest ranking LGBTQ person ever elected mayor of an American city, a title she takes from me, she is also now a key leader in the movement to build LGBTQ political power nationwide. DNC Chair Tom Perez said in uh, in an emailed statement, quote, as the first openly LGBTQ woman of color to be elected mayor in any of America's 100 largest cities and the first black woman to serve as mayor of Chicago, Lightfoot is an inspiration to thousands of LGBTQ people of color who have a new role model in elected office. Last month, flyers were handed out in black churches that featured a picture of Lori Lightfoot and her wife. Above their picture, the flyer said, the feminist and gay movement have come full circle and tout, quote, the Gay Equality Act in big letters. Lightfoot, a relative newcomer who has never held elected office, replaced former Obama chief of staff Rahm Emanuel. This is incredibly exciting. Yeah, this <laughs> is so exciting. When I first heard this, I thought it was a late April Fool's joke. Because it's just <laughs> too good. You don't hear good news that often. Yeah. No, this was, uh, it, it was one of those things that kind of, at least on me, it kind of snuck up. Um, you know, I was kind of watching what was going up mm-hmm. there. But I, you know, I, I wasn't focused on, on her initially because I just, you know, there was, what, 15, 13 Bunch. people mm-hmm. that were um, running. And, it, you know, for it to come out to the runoff of, of mm-hmm. two African-American women. Right. That yeah. was. And that one, was amazing. you know, mm-hmm. uh, a lesbian with uh, married with child mm-hmm. and all. This is, yeah, this is exciting stuff. And this is what we what I talk about a lot. We all talk about a lot of that, you know, where with Trump and you know we just thought we've just lost some some spirit. But mm-hmm. what we see happening around the country and people getting active and you know I think get going out and 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 voting. F- you know, voting for for what they believe in and being motivated to like right. make changes and 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 make people see them for for what it is and this is just amazing. I yeah. um sorry, no. I had friends who were you know and I, I posted it up and I was like, yay, <laughs> this is great because it kind of snuck by me. I was doing some a bunch of other stuff and then it popped up on my newsfeed and I was like, oh my god, I forgot to even check. And um, uh, you know, they were saying, well, she's not the most uh, progressive. Uh, uh, candidate, and they were kind of lamenting that. Um, but I'm like, you know, representation is so very much, right, you know, right. to be Absolutely. Af- the first African American uh, female uh, mayor of, of Chicago and to be a lesbian 
and you know to to and to be married and, to and be have married a child. And I mean have that a child, like yeah. <laughs> and it's like this it to see yourself. Right. Right. And for for all the the you know kids out there who are, are coming up and they have somebody right. to look up to and and that for me is is a huge step right. even if she isn't the most progressive. Um, but you know, still hold her accountable, push her. Right. You know? I, I I mean, I could imagine having that position. I mean, John, you know, you you know can probably speak for that of walking in and and you know not holding an electric, you know, position before. Well, no, you were. Um, well, board. I was a little bit, but let, let me right. just say one thing, uh, a couple things. One, it's pretty cool that of our four largest cities now, we've got two of them have had. LGBTQ right. mayors, women, mm-hmm. both. Uh, we haven't seen that in our states, for example. And that right. kind of thing yet. Mm-hmm. And right. That's great. And it kind of reminds me, and it was a, what you were mentioning, Frankie, about, yeah, sometimes w- weird and terrible stuff we see at the national level, but at the cities, people are still making good things happen right. all around the country. And it's, so that's that's really cool in Chicago. But, you know, we got one in Indiana, too. Yes. Pete Buttigieg yes. kind of yeah. making, making mm-hmm. noise, too. Oh, I'm really excited. Yeah, we like and that. It's, and it's the thing, we've talked about this on the show before, but it's the thing where, you know, people are seeing a need for people like them in, o- in elected office. And people are deciding to go out and do it themselves. And a lot of, you know, like, life doesn't have um, a history in public office or whatever. But she, you know, but she uh, saw a need for it and it made it happen, which is incredible. I think it's it's great that it's actually happening. Like, we actually can go and make changes if we need to in our government. It's exciting. And and this is where it counts. You know, people think on a national level, this is where, you know, everything is affecting us. Of course, it does affect us. But where you can make the immediate changes and empowerment is, is... local mm-hmm. right. and you know and, and to have someone of of her character in that position and it's going to be hard i mean you know she's got that the, the police to deal with she's got the race issues um and you know the old old boys that have been there a long time mm-hmm. you know it's it's going to be an interesting i mean mm-hmm. the nation you know the nation's going to be watching it pretty hard to see how that pulls off and i'm sure anytime she hiccups and burps it's going to be reported on oh um, it's already started yeah i, I haven't li- listened to the the right media on the other side meaning (laughs) 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 um to see what they said but i'm sure it's not pretty over there right now i just i want to be happy for a while so i was just smart (laughs) 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 trying to stay focused on that but yeah so i'm just understandable well it'll be interesting i'm sure we're going to report much more about what what's happening with lightfoot and um you know as she gets her uh you know, administration in order, what that's going to look like. That'll good be very interesting. Good time to visit Chicago, though. Y- yeah. Go up there and yeah. you know, help boost her, spend some money, go yeah. visit, you know, hang out. Exactly. It's always city. a good time to visit Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up I grew up by there, and I was in Chicago yeah. as much as I possibly could. It was 35 yeah. minutes from downtown, so yeah. uh, that's my town. Particularly the summer. It's great in the summer. Oh, oh it's a wonderful place in the yeah. summer. Yeah. So, Justin. Okay. Yes. Um, well, here's sort of an alarming statistic I have here is that up to 40% of homeless teens are LGBTQ, but uh, soon Indianapolis will have a home for them, so that's good. And uh, well, le- less than 10% of teens identify as LGBTQ, as many as 40% of youth who experience homelessness do identify as LGBTQ. But there are few services to help these teens and few safe places for them to live. This summer, the state's first transitional housing for homeless LGBTQ youth will open in the Mapleton Fall Creek area. Called Trinity Haven, the home initially will have room for 10 youths and eventually capacity for as many as 15. Still, that will come nowhere near to staunching the need, said Chris Paulson, 
executive director of the Indiana Youth Group, which offers programming for the LGBTQ youth population. About one in four youths who come out as LGBTQ to their families find themselves at least temporarily homeless, mm. the st statistics show. And while some of those do reunite with their families after the initial shock of them coming out, others do not and must scramble to put a roof over their heads. So, and some exchange sex for shelter. Trinity Haven will step into that gap and offer up to two years of housing for its residents who will be between the ages of 16 and 21. The home, which will be staffed around the clock, will help residents learn how to eventually become self-sufficient, said Jenny White, the home's founding executive director. Trinity Haven board chair Lee Ann Hirschman said, the goal of Trinity Haven is to intervene before young people experience the trauma of chronic homelessness and then help them pursue the skills they need to thrive in the world. Residents must be at least 16, so they are old enough to sign a lease when their stint in the home concludes. LGBTQ home grew out of a church mission, Trinity Haven, wait, excuse me, <laughs> Trinity Haven grew out of a church mission of Trinity Episcopal Church's long tradition of incubating projects with a mission. Decades ago, St. Richard's Episcopal School grew out of the impetus, as did Project Home Indy, which provides transitional housing for teen mothers. More recently, the church opened St. Nicholas's Early Learning, an affordable daycare center in the neighborhood. Just as the church started looking for its next project, the Reverend Julia Whitworth arrived as the pastor from New York City, where she had become aware of the pervasiveness of homelessness among LGBTQ youth in that city. She started asking about local services available for this population and found the answer was that there really wasn't much. Then the Indiana Youth Group moved to a new, bigger headquarters in the neighborhood, and that this summer, and the church's idea for its next big project coalesced. The church had already purchased the home for another project, but realized it would be the ideal space for Trinity Haven, Whitworth said. A previous owner renovated it for use as an Airbnb and put in 13 bathrooms, uh, most with a shower or a bath. Indiana Youth Group, which offers a program for youths during the day, will contract with Trinity Haven to provide programming for the home. One might not think of a church as the most obvious impetus for services for the LGBTQ population, but that's precisely the point, said Whitworth, who is aware that many others may discriminate against teens in the name of Christianity. Said Whitworth, as a progressive faith institution, we have a particular call to be agents of healing and to show a different image of Christianity to LGBTQ people. I would love for this to be a model for other progressive faith communities. While Trinity Episcopal Church has been instrumental in the creation of the home, there will be no religious requirements or expectations that residents worship here, Hirschman said. Wow. So this is really exciting news. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's uh, great. It's beautiful. And, uh, I and local news, too. And local yeah. news. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, this is something, you know, I've been hearing them talk about, you know, up there for Indianapolis for a long, long time, and they've done a, a lot of good with the LGBTQ youth up there, and mm -hmm. they've been very progressive, and um, really reached out and, and, and made a lot of safe places for them, but to have something, you know, that's much needed mm -hmm. in a community. And people don't think about that, of, you right. know, how many um, kids out there, teens out there are, um, you know, kicked out of their homes. That's right. Mm -hmm. you know, it's astonishing, but yet it does make sense right. that there would be such a large population because um, there are so many kids that are kicked out of their homes. Yeah. And unfortunately, a lot by 
Christian homes. Right. Yeah. And you know, I, and to have a church that is and that's the starting that up is is good too yes. because in, in the community and in the LGBT community, the word church seems mm. to be uh, you know kind of a bad word and um, and I know a lot of of uh, people of faith. In the in the LGBT community are still trying to reconcile right. how to, uh-huh. how to mm-hmm. and, and in Bloomington we live in a community where we we have a lot of churches but we have a lot of churches that open their doors yeah. to right. the LGBT community and we're we're lucky in in that sense I mean there's always you know the fringes of of, of out there but our our churches do do a lot and mm-hmm. I think we're we're blessed as far as a, a, a local community have have that out there mm-hmm. um, you I know. will I will say that in in Bloomington we still have a problem with uh, LGBT homeless. Yes, we do. And, um, you know, with local shelters. And uh, we might cover that in the sure. Q&A um, yeah. with you, Mr. Mayor. We're talking about Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> a beautiful story, too, out of <coughs> Indianapolis yeah. and the generation of that out of the church community. And, you know, a couple of things I would just say out of, the, out of the gate. One, people, their image of a homeless person is often not what many of the homeless people are, people experiencing homelessness. In our community, 40% of them are families and or children and Mm -hmm. that's not who usually pops in your head when somebody's talking about homelessness this is another example that doesn't pop in your head when people talk about people experiencing homelessness but it's really important to to see that whole range and then the other point i'd make and it's kind of a challenge to the religious community too right the faith community is to say shalom community center came out of one church Mm -hmm. it's now grown out of that church and others but this is a great example of, of communities of faith um, stepping in and, and helping make things happen, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and that population is also, you know, not necessarily seen. And a lot of these kids will set, uh, couch surf. Mm-hmm. They'll stay at friends' they house, or, you know, right. and, and fine. So you're not necessarily seeing them on the streets. Mm-hmm. So, and that also means that a lot of it's not reported. So right. that number could be bigger. That 40% could be way bigger, and of we just cor- don't know. Excellent point. Right, yeah. of course. So, you know, being out there, and when the shelters then open, you know, I was just listening to a report just recently about this particular shelter, and they're saying, oh, my gosh, you know, we don't have enough beds. Right, It's right. It's already... You know, the kids are, are seeing that this is available and saying, hey, how about me? So <laughs> yeah. it, it's out there. So we, we're, um, you know, this is an awesome story. And, and again, mm-hmm. a, a nice and hopefully that'll pave the way for more shelters, more mm-hmm. bigger capacities in shelters. And because there's obviously a need that that can't always fill. But um, it's time to talk about our fun, fun drive again, right before we go to a music break. And um uh, yeah, Blooming, uh, just so you all know, Blooming Out is the state's only independently produced LGBTQ plus news and public affairs radio program. So, um, and it's one of our, one of WFHB's 28 news and public affairs programs. So if you like our program or if you like um, the other news programs on our station, um, call in to 812-323-1200. That's 812-323-1200 to make a donation for us today. So thank you for that. Um, Let's go and take a music break, and then we'll be back with more.
you're currently listening to WFHB's Local Live Volume 9. This is the 2018 collection of Local Live performances. Um, right now you're listening to Pushy, Pushing Daisies, the song Sunny Day. And we are going to go ahead and look at the community calendar real fast. This week in Bloomington, we have on April 4th, that's today, at 7.30, Vinegar Tom, a presentation of IU Department of Theater, Drama, and Contemporary Dance at the Wells Metz Theater at 275 North Jordan Avenue. And we also have on the 6th, the Active Living Coalition Health Fair. This is from 9 a.m. till 12 p.m. Stop by more than 20 health and wellness related booths, watch fitness demonstrations, take home some special giveaways, and gather all the info you need to live a healthy lifestyle. That is Saturday from 9 till 12 p.m. And that looks like it's at the Bloomington Community Farmers Market. And I just want to remind everyone listening um, that it is Fun Drive Week, and we need your support to fund our local community radio station. Um, This is your local community radio station, and we need your help. So our spring fun drive ends this weekend, so we don't have very much time to raise money. Please call in with your support at 812-323-1200, or go online and click the red button at wfhb.org. And we'll be right back with Blooming Out. back welcome back to blooming out that was sunny day by pushing daisies and we got some uh calls while we were uh on our music break we did ireland um first off shout out to my mom <laughs> Susie meacham <laughs> thank you so much for donating thank that you, means mom. a lot thank exactly you. that makes me all verklempt yeah, <laughs> mom she got all red when she saw that <laughs> yeah she did she was like thanks all mom happy. <laughs> And s- one of our Bloomington greats. Yeah, uh, Charlotte Zelo Char- called in, and Zillow. she says, uh, so glad that the station is here and going strong. So awesome. I love Thank that. You. Thank you so Thank much, you Charlotte. For, for keeping this going. So um, we have some uh, news to report still. Mm-hmm. Um, Ireland. More news story. Utah's Republican governor signed a hate crimes bill that made their previous, quote, unworkable law better, while the Indiana legislature passed a bill that civil rights groups say doesn't even count as a hate crimes law. Yesterday, Utah Governor Gary Herbert signed a bill that would put stiffer penalties on hate crimes based on a number of characteristics, including sexual orientation and gender identity. Several Republicans have been trying to pass the law for years. Former Utah Senator Steve Urquhart, a Republican who tried to passed the bill, said that it took a lot of convincing. The state's previous hate crimes bill, which was enacted in 1992, was considered unenforceable by prosecutors. The law tracked statistics on hate crimes, but only allowed for enhanced sentences for misdemeanors, not felonies. Salt Lake County 
Attorney uh, Sim Gill told the New York Times, quote, the statute that we have is such an untenable and unworkable statute that we have not had a successful prosecution of a hate crime for the last 20 years at the state level. It is worthless. It is not worth the papers it is written on. Indiana Republicans, though, have passed what civil rights groups believe is another worthless hate crimes bill. The Indiana Senate passed a hate crimes bill yesterday that includes no protected categories like race, religion, sexual orientation, or gender identity. <laughs> Instead, the law defines a hate crime as a crime motivated by bias and s- against any, quote, real or perceived characteristic, trait, belief, practice, association, or other attribute the court chooses to consider. Judges will have discretion to, t- to determine whether, for example, being transgender qualifies as such a characteristic. Indiana Republicans are defending their unique hate crimes bill by saying that it covers everyone. Republican House Speaker Brian Bosma said, quote, You cannot name a characteristic or trait not covered under this bill. We believe this is the most comprehensive and inclusive bias crimes uh, statute in the nation. The reference to our current bias crimes definition meets or exceeds that of 21 other states' bias crimes statutes, and all of those states are off the list of states without a bias crimes law. There's no reasonable assertion as to why this all-inclusive measure doesn't take Indiana off the list. But Democrats <laughs> said that the reason the bill lists no categories is because Republicans refused to support a bill that mentioned gender identity. The anti-LGBTQ Indiana Family Institute supported removing all the categories from the bill, saying that they would make some people, quote, more equal than others. Indiana is one of five states that doesn't currently have hate crimes legislation. The Anti-Defamation League said that it was, quote, deeply disappointed with the bill. Since no other state has passed a hate crimes bill with no categories, how it will be used by prosecutors or interpreted by judges is unknown. Republican Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb said that he would, would sign the bill, although he said that he would have preferred a bill with the named categories. HRC has urged Holcomb not to sign the law. Utah's legislation faced similar opposition, which legislators say they said they overcame by adding more categories to the bill. In the end, Utah's hate crimes bill included age, ancestry, disability, ethnicity, familial status, gender identity, homelessness, marital status, matriculation, national origin, race, religion, sex, sexual orientation, service in the U.S. Armed Forces, status as an emergency responder, law enforcement officer, correctional officer, special function officer, or any other peace officer, and political expression. Even though few people believe that there is an epidemic of crimes committed because of bias against a person's alma mater or against Trump supporters, conservative lawmakers in Utah may have ha- may have the same problem as conservatives in Indiana when it comes to acknowledging that there is a si- there is systemic bias based on certain characteristics that materially affects how people who aren't like them live. So, <coughs> shame on you Republicans. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know... Shame on Indiana. Yeah. Um, it just shows that it, how easy it can be to right. pass a bill that is all-inclusive, and mm-hmm. we are just actively deciding not to, which right. is harmful to a lot of people. Mm. And, and Yeah, they're just not getting it. And, and, and you know, it's... It, w- I don't know where they're coming from and what... I mean, I'm just, I lost of words because I, I thought this one was going to happen. They don't want hate crimes right. law, right? And they want the, um, and I hate to say it, but it's, they want the ability to still uh, uh, discriminate and um, act upon their biases, but not get uh, um, uh, sentenced for it. They, you know, it's up to the judge to decide whether or not something's a hate crime right. to to, pers- uh, to prosecute under that. Um, 
it 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 doesn't re require reporting to the FBI. It doesn't require anything that is measurable. Mm -hmm. It's just this. <clears throat> sorry, it's just this. Uh, um, something to put out there on paper and say, oh yeah, we got one. Mm -hmm. But it, it, it evades every uh, aspect that makes a hate crimes law a hate crimes law. It's to protect people <clears throat> against uh, the kind of uh, crimes that are committed against certain groups of people, you know? And if, if you know, the local Nazi can say, well, I had a hate crime committed against me when I was, you know, burning a cross in somebody's yard uh, and the owner came out and pummeled me for it um, even though I'm standing in his yard burning a cross in it which by the way is allowable it's it's a um, uh, misdemeanor trespassing to burn a right? cross in somebody's front yard oh, wow. yeah I just found that out um, <clears throat> so <sighs> cowards and, and uh, people who who obviously want the freedom to commit crimes against people or right. for others to commit crimes against right. people. I mean, I don't, I don't think the legislators are going to So go you out, as a, a transgender, you know, person, what how does this affect you when you when you think? I mean, you know, you know, I can I can pass through the world and do my thing. And, you know, more, I mean, I, I, there, there, there's times, yes, I have to kind of look over my shoulder and, and be protective of what I am, but someone where people are tr targeting, you yeah. know, and what would the hate crime, you know, if it, if it passed, what p the protection side, what would that do for you as an this, individual? This won't do anything. This won't, yeah. but if. So <coughs> if we had a real one, right? Uh, then hopefully... It, um, and, and this is me speaking for me, not for any of the right. groups that I may represent uh, or not. <laughs> uh, in, in other, in other uh, venues. Um, so I, I believe that the hate crimes law should, should have uh, um, some sort of enhanced uh, sentencing guidelines and have a specific reporting to FBI so that we can keep track of uh, all of these crimes and, and how and where they pop up so that we have a better idea mm -hmm. of the numbers. Um, and also as a deterrent against this. I, yeah, I, I know that they're like, you know, people say the death penalty is not a deterrent, but enhanced uh, um, crimes, people who and are going attitudes. to commit uh, these, these sort of things. Right, right. That, right. that is something that they, they take into consideration. Well, when, when uh, you come into a place and you see that they don't accept it, that that's, you know, we have laws that say, you know, not only is this bad, this is very bad. Yeah. And we're not going to ignore, you know, on, on, on this behavior. In fact, we think this behavior is so bad that we are writing a law right. that will protect certain individuals, you know, from, from people that and want to hurt other folks. And it would be lovely if we didn't have to have it, right? Right, of course. You know, and people are arguing, oh, well, you get special rights or they're more equal. That's not the case, right? That's not what we're saying. So there are acts of violence against certain groups of people more so than the general population or other groups of people. Right. And what it's doing is it's saying, yes, we un we understand, we, we realize that this is happening to your group of people and we need to say, don't, you know, no right. more. And so it's not extra special it's not extra rights it's right. just trying to bring uh to <laughs> move things back to a state of all right stop trying to kill people 
you right. know, because of a certain characteristic. Right. Yeah, and the other issue with this bill is that it leaves the discretion up to the judge, whatever judge you get, and they may or may not choose, you know, to, you know, they may or not choose in your favor. Yeah, depending and on their Yeah, bias. and I find a great issue in that, so. What, what's your oh, take on this? I yeah, find it um, embarrassing and shameful what the legislature did. Uh, it's a couple different levels, absolutely on the basic level of passing a real hate crimes bill to to protect, as as you talked about so much, Melanie, the, to make the to make the actual criminal justice system work the way it should. That's one level. But it's at a second level, it's just infuriating because it is not hard to get off the list of the five states that mm-hmm. we are on. And the governor asked, and the state legislature didn't do it, and the governor signed it. Right. And that was a no-brainer. This is like, do we, do we want to be on this list? Apparently, right. a bunch of people do. And that's embarrassing and it's shameful, not only on the, you know, we want to we have the hate crimes that we need on the ground every day, but Indiana, like this statement that, that you read, Ireland, about, oh, well, we're stronger than everybody. Who's going to believe that? Right. <laughs> Indiana chose to not do the, it's so easy to get off that list past the basic hate crime bill. And the fact that they didn't is really shameful. Mm-hmm. Well, and, uh, you know, I, I really want to know, who are the people that are pushing for this? What, what are the groups and what are right. their motivations for not having specific groups? Or, you know, Derek declared on this. Right. Because, well, I just don't, I, I do get it, but I'm not going to say it on air. How does something like this affect a community like Bloomington in the sense of, you know, as you being a leader of, of, of Bloomington, yeah. how does that? Well, one, it continues to hurt us uh, as a whole state because of our image right so when people are deciding whether to come here or what to do and whether businesses want to locate or grow or employees choosing to relocate here and they think about well what's the image of indiana it's just like rifford did you know Mm -hmm. it's terrible it's terrible for Mm -hmm. our state in this modern world that we live in and now bloomington you know we sometimes call ourselves a blueberry in a bowl of tomato soup we're (laughs) we're we're a little enclave that is different we are you know we just got awarded one of the 10 best lgbtq cities in the uh country small cities and a hundred percent score on the human rights campaign we're really proud of that but Bloomington, you know, we're not we we are not a bubble. We are connected to everybody, so it, so it really hurts us. Now, we will continue to do as we have from long before my time. Uh, my predecessors in this community continues to have very active bias incident reporting. We report everything we can. We encourage anybody who experiences any incident of bias that you feel it doesn't have to be a crime. You know, it could be a word yelled. It could be a it, anything graffiti, which which is a misdemeanor. But mm-hmm. we want to know all about it because reporting it's really important. I, I remember talking to a uh, somebody in in the D.C. suburbs who's in charge of uh, law enforcement there, and they they do the same thing. And they they said they found that fifty percent of the bias incidents that were reported, when they found the perpetrator, they were under eighteen. Yeah. Now that one of the things that tells you is we got to start early, step in early. That's mm-hmm. what you want. You want to talk to that mm-hmm. perpetrator and say, "What's going on? Mm-hmm. Intervene yeah. before they become a 25-year-old who may do worse stuff." Right. right. That's I. I liked what you said about about how it's important to report, even if if it's not a crime or even if it's just something small. It's important to report it because a lot of you know, uh, because there's not a hate crimes bill and right. because people are unsure of how they would be treated if they tried to report an incident uh, an incident that happened to them, 
they're so scared that it might affect them negatively that they decide not to report it and then that affects the data we have on it that affects the way we handle situations like that and that affects um the people in the legislatures who think that there's not a need for something like this so please do report it you can go on our website the city website and call the city line we have a person who takes those incidents and 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 takes them down pursues them and it is absolutely critical don't worry about over reporting Mm -hmm. yeah if you think it happened call and and i saw the i saw the reports that are published Mm -hmm. on the the website and uh for you know 2018 there were a handful yeah there weren't that many and i'm guilty of it too i didn't report the several because it wasn't i didn't think that it was important enough you know it was a big enough deal and really now seeing what i i did on the the site was like yeah, it should be. And there's a Human Rights Commission uh, yep. link, and there's a, a button you can push to report uh, yeah. there. I think maybe that's not promoted enough mm-hmm. uh, to yeah. to do that reporting. Um, because we can get that phone number from you and put that on our um, yeah. on a link with the show at the end of the program on our yeah. post online. So we'll if put anybody's that on there. interested yeah. Great. in doing that, Great. so. Um, back to the fun drive. So um, if you're interested in, in donating some money towards uh, Blooming Out and WFHB, you can call 812-323-1200. This is, you know, this is what it's about. We can sit here with community members and talk, uh, you know, um, with our, our, our own mayor here um, that comes in and, 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 you know, and inform the community. And it's, you know, we're, we're, we're lucky and blessed to have a station that, we can can do this and yeah. you mm-hmm. know i think it's it's it takes some money and that's why we <laughs> have to come on and, and and beg and we appreciate the people that are, are are donating but this is meaningful for for all of us that are here i mean we look forward to to doing this and, and bringing people into the community and i don't think there's a a moment that we don't have a learning you know experience where we you know invite these amazing people from our community that can you know um talk and, and benefit everybody mm-hmm. so you know if people are, are want to uh continue to, to hear this mm-hmm. <laughs> they can um donate by calling again 812-323-1200 um, or um you can go to wfhb.org and hit the big red button and we can <laughs> shiny candy like red button glow glow um but uh let's get back to um mr hamilton and um talk about uh you know, like I said, I wanted this segment to be to be about moving forward. Mm-hmm. You know, what um, what are you, what's your vision for Bloomington as we kind of move onward? Well, I thank you for inviting me here and, and asking. Um, you know, when I I meet with people all the time, all through this great community, uh, diverse, inclusive uh, conversations, and I I often talk about four things that are important from my perspective uh, to help move the community forward. Number one is jobs. Um, jobs and the economy are underlie everything that happens in the community and everybody cares about them uh, and so we're doing a lot to work on that and big employers are growing, small employers are growing, medium-sized employers are, are growing um, so we do a lot to try to help with that and that's one category. Another category is housing. Uh, I've worked very hard since I got into this job to focus on affordable housing because it is a severe threat to Bloomington's future. Um, we're the most expensive housing market in the state. Um, if we do not tackle this, and you don't, you don't really tackle it, you really chip away at this problem. You, you, you make it better day by day, week by week, year by year. 
Bloomington will become a city that does not work for people of lots of different kinds of walks of life who can't afford to live here. And that diminishes us. It diminishes our future. It's really important. So we can talk about a lot of the things we're doing on that. We've made some progress, but there's a lot more work to do. Um, Third, I often talk just the big picture of quality of life. Um, That's a phrase we all use a lot, but it captures why do we like being in Bloomington? What is it about Bloomington that's important? And that people answer that differently. Some may answer farmer's market or trails, and some may, um, some may answer that the arts community. Some may answer that uh, IU and, and culture that they do with IU. Some answer that with really thinking about public safety. Some talk about public schools. And, uh, you know, that, that answer is a big, wide one. But uh, we work a lot on trying to enhance our quality of life. And then the last thing is, Mayor, I also am kind of the operational officer of the community so like making things work better mm-hmm. um, reforming sanitation and 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 getting our police department to get accredited nationally for the first time ever and making sure our fire department has the equipment they need and making sure Lake Monroe's water is clean and making sure that uh, our parks department uh, you know is switching to electric vehicles and just kind of making the city run well we got 700 employees so I work on all four of those things, and then a lot of different stuff comes up every day right, that I right, do too. So, right. But that's so what's um, what's one of the more difficult things, you know, being <laughs> a mayor? I mean, you could probably go down a list, but the things that, you know, people don't think about. Well, um, you know, it's interesting that we, I mentioned Pete, Pete Buttigieg earlier. Uh, he, he made a comment. We, we, there was a mayor's conference out in D.C. during the shutdown mm-hmm. of federal government, and Pete and others said, mayors we can never shut down the city over a dispute if we have if you shut down the city within a few hours things would fall apart your water system would start to fail your police department and your fire department and so uh, part of it is just remembering that just kind of a lot of the basics of what we want in life depend Mm -hmm. upon my colleagues in city government picking up your trash every day that they do that and the water system making sure that when you flush your toilet it goes out the way it should and when you turn your tap on you get good healthy water and the fire department you know every time we have an accident or you have somebody who has a heart attack the fire department is there with the ambulance so so a lot of us it's kind of that 24 7 trying to make sure we do that well Great. So um, I guess, oh, I'm sorry, Ireland. Uh, yeah, I have a question. You were talking about um, working on projects, uh, building more affordable housing mm-hmm. for um, Bloomington. I was just curious as to what projects um, are happening, what you're working on, and which um, groups of people you're targeting, I guess, because it, it seems like there are a lot of um, new student resident mm-hmm. sort of places popping up. Um, and I was just wondering if that's Those are not our target. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, thank you for asking that. First, I should say, when when I talk about affordable housing, it it really means housing from to support to help people who have zero income up to people who are maybe two income working parents families who who are earning what many of us would may even be above median income but they still have trouble with housing. So, affordability runs a big range of who it's helping. We've been working a lot on that whole range. I'll just give you some examples. We're, uh, we're working with Shalom Center and Life Designs to do the, the second is now done and the third is coming for this housing first model for the homeless. The way you stop homelessness is you give people a home. Mm-hmm. Uh, transitional housing is important. Emergency housing, like we talked about, is important. But ultimately, people need to get into a home. Right. So we've, we've built dozens of units of that to help the most uh, disabled and chronically homeless get off the streets and their lives are better. Another end is is uh, elderly who are low income, 
we have now the first ever uh, development in, in Bloomington Evergreen on the east side that accepts Medicaid for older people to get assisted living. If you're a low-income older person with Medicaid, you didn't have an option to get assisted living here before, which meant you had to leave for many of them. Uh, we, we have right next to the Trades District on the B line, we have more traditional affordable housing for people at 60% of median income uh, to live right next to the Trades District. Um, and then the student housing is a big challenge because it's almost like if you have a square inch of ground in Bloomington, a student housing developer will come and say, I want to mm -hmm. build mm -hmm. student housing on that. Yeah. So we've had to do some things to cut the limits of how high they can go by <coughs> right. We're also doing some things like if you want to build student housing, you got to help us solve affordable housing. Now, they don't like that, the developers. Some of them balk. But some of them contribute to an affordable housing fund like the Evolve Group did uh, that we then use to like support Bloomington Cooperative Living. The, their 20-bedroom 20, 20 house at, at Madison and Fifth, they were at risk of losing. We helped finance it to keep 20 bedrooms permanently affordable right downtown. So affordable housing is a whole range of things, and it takes all of that, and we're only chipping away at it. I mean, right. it's and, a lot. And I'd like to add something. So mm -hmm. I, when I came to town, we ended up in Crestmont for mm -hmm. a few years, um, yeah. quite a few years. The Public Housing <coughs> Authority. The Public Housing Authority. Yeah. And, and they were doing so much work and with an ever-decreasing pot. So HUD, they rely on HUD yeah. uh, subsidies. And uh, with HUD's uh, cutbacks, plus... Uh, the way that they work their schedule of payments, uh, it you know it's dependent on income. Yeah. But the top tier is, for each housing unit is dependent on the income or for the the average rent for uh, uh, the area. For right? the area, right? So right. with the rent going up, you know astronomically, it was actually cheaper for me to move out of Crestmont and into substandard housing that oh I'm boy. in now. But um, but it's it's cheaper for me. I couldn't. I was priced out of public housing, even at, even with thirty percent of income cap. Because there should, but I, I <laughs> it's look the pressure's terrible. It, I, don't, I don't. The I pressure's know. terrible. It but so um, my mom moved in with us, mm -hmm. and she got uh, uh, social security. But still, that's not social security isn't enough to to live on. Yeah. So when they moved the income uh, or the the rates up, uh, we were spending so much. Uh, to live there though we it was cheaper we, to leave it was cheaper to leave and so that is it's you know great that they have it but they don't have enough to keep their programs running what with hud doing stuff and uh because of the rent in the area being so high um because of these developers and stuff like that is there any kind of thing that we can do to tackle that like specifically well so right we have the highest rent costs the state of indiana in its wisdom, makes it illegal for a community to have rent control. So we are not allowed under state law as a, as a community to have rent control. In fact, they're just, we may just have a decision that stops us even from doing rental inspections. We're, we're, we're trying to fight that. But um, the, the main thing we can do, there's two ways to get housing more affordable. You can get more housing, just try to create more supply so that the market comes down. Or you subsidize it. You find ways to subsidize it, which is what we're working really hard to do. For example, the Housing Authority, which, uh, you know, generally the rule in the Housing Authority is they limit the amount that the resident is charged to 30% of their income. So right. whatever the income is, 
whatever whatever the rent is, you only pay thirty percent of your income. But there may be nuances to that that, there, that can cause there were problems. Some, so, so there were some things yeah. that that were yeah. maybe specific to our case yeah. that that it made it a little bit more. But um, but still, it was it was just terrible. Untenable. So one thing I'll give credit: um, uh, we have um, a great housing authority that is going to be remodeling. We have 300 units of housing at Crestmont and a mm-hmm. couple other places, and um, they're going to be remodeling those in f- in the next five years instead of the 25 it was going to take because they've been really creatively figuring out how to finance that. Okay, and thank you for answering some of, of these questions. I, I asked some people online to to send in questions uh-huh. and housing was one of the main it's, ones it's every day it's so much pressure that's why it's one of the big focuses we have to improve that i think another one that has come up you know when i go out and listen to different political folks talk mm-hmm. is transportation the mm-hmm. transit system and you know some of the complaints are that the buses don't run on a consistent um for for people to, yes. to use i can attest to that <laughs> that was a problem for me today so is that right <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. the frequency or they just weren't on time um they weren't on time and i was late yeah. to my class so oh, no yeah. oh, no <laughs> so and i know that they're talking about kind of like you know you know maybe changing the routes changing the routes and looking at that and, and that what's it, what's so look, this is another, w- 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 I'll first say we have the most uh, used transit system in the state. We have the highest per capita transit use of any, more than Indianapolis, Fort Wayne, Evansville, anybody. Uh, so that's good, people use the transit system. And, and most of the riders are students um, getting to and from places. We don't get enough money. The federal money that, uh, the tickets that you pay or that the IU pays for students are less than a quarter of the cost of the bus system. Bus systems take a lot of money from the federal and state government and that money is kind of frozen so expanding the bus system which I love the idea of we've got to figure out how we're gonna pay for it mm-hmm. and that's a community discussion because um, you know we need to we need to talk about how that happens now we also need to think about how do we help more people live on bus lines uh, or put right. the bus lines where more people are already mm-hmm. living that's mm-hmm. the route changes but um, you know what we call transit oriented development so thinking about how do you help people move in things other than cars back and forth. Um, we're, we're gonna be doing a lot, I, ca- I could go into a lot of detail on that, but the, the, we're proud of Bloomington Transit. Of course, we have, a, we have the IU bus system, we have the rural transit system, and we have the school buses. I always say we have four bus <laughs> systems that <laughs> right. operate in one county like this, <laughs> and maybe we, can, maybe we can do better with that we're working on. Yeah, that. well, that's, there's, there's just so much to you know going on i won't even like bother you with the parking garage ah, <laughs> well, well, yeah um, let's not talk about that <laughs> there's just you know again we appreciate you coming on um, oh nor scooters you didn't yeah ask the sco- scooters. i didn't ask scooters, you about the scooter garage, i know uh, have I, you been on a scooter i uh, today in fact i was on, i've been on yeah, a scooter really? a few times have you have any of you been on scooters? yeah i've been I, on the scooter. i haven't used one but i i rode one one time as a tester but no. i don't have i, that I that love the scooter so. i'm i'm all about well there'll be a city ordinance coming in that's i heard wednesday night there'll be discussion of it so yeah I'm no, out. I'm all about the scooter. <laughs> um, well, we're out of town. Uh, uh, out of town. <laughs> we're out of town. <laughs> Goodbye, guys. I'm out of here. <laughs> we're There's out of so time. To talk about. <laughs> you know, there is a lot to talk about. We didn't even get through. You'll have to come back. Yes. I will come back at your invite. invitation. And went, thank you so much. Yeah, that would be great. I wanted to quickly thank you for the human rights campaign, 100% score on LGBTQ issues. Three years county. running. That's the community. That's we're, we're really proud of that. Yeah. yeah. So I had Thanks. to give a shout out. I bet that. the radio station's part of that. I bet this. you might be part of the 100% score. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> well, thank you, John, for, for being part of our, 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 our listeners and, and volunteers for making this possible. Um, I'm Ireland Meacham. I'm Melanie Davis. 
Blooming Out is produced by Frankie Presloff. Our executive producer is WFHB News Director Wes Martin. Lucas Fisher is our engineer. Our production assistant is Ireland Meacham. For Blooming Out and WFHB, I'm Justin Robertson. And I'm Frankie Presloff. And remember, if everything was straight, roller coasters would be one long, boring ride. Good night from your Blooming Out family. You've been listening to Blooming Out on WFHB. Blooming Out is a product of WFHB's News and Public Affairs Department. Tune in every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. for Indiana's only LGBTQ plus news and public affairs program. You can hear this and other programs online at WFHB.org. Comments and suggestions for future topics or guests can be sent to bloomingout at WFHB.org. That is blooming O-U-T at WFHB.org. And thank you for listening. I gotta be proud and I gotta remember this is what I'm about. Gotta stand up and I gotta be proud and I gotta remember this is what I'm about. And what about being a girl? Well, how could I mind it? And what about being queer? Well, I really